smart investing feels a lot more like watching paint dry or watching grass grow than it does going to Vegas and shooting craps. Bible man is not your son's pastor, nor even is the guy who stands at the front of the auditorium who has a job title called pastor. You are the unique, irreplaceable watcher of your son's spiritual formation, and you're the only one assigned by God to oversee his spiritual formation. Hi, I'm Steve. For nearly 30 years, I've been a pastor, a disciple maker, and what I really love doing is helping guys be better followers of Christ and better leaders at home. I'm Mark, a certified financial planner with an MBA and an Ivy League degree who wants to make sure you're making the smartest money decisions possible. And this is Abraham's Wallet. Join us weekly and create a culture in your family of multi-generational prosperity, spiritually, relationally, physically, intellectually, and financially. Run your home, your dough, like a biblical boss. It is the most wonderful time of the year, and by that I don't mean Lodofeb. By that, I don't mean uh, the snowy season seems to have passed. I mean, it's that rare moment, Mark, when you and I are playing each other in NBA fantasy basketball. That's happening right now as we record. How's it going on your end? Well, my daughter was looking over my fantasy team last night and she said, 10 to 1, that seems that seems uncommon how far ahead you are. Uh, who are you playing? And I said, well... It's Mr. Manual, and she <laughs> she expressed condolences <laughs> along to you because it's not going well for your team so far this week. Well, I appreciate sympathy from the Utah quarter. Yeah, th- things are things are rough, and I, I don't know any way to dig out of that hole. Uh, we we had another basketball kind of week. It, it wasn't just fantasy basketball. Uh, my oldest daughter has been hooping, and we, we've had a good week. We beat two really good teams. <laughs> Daughter good. was leading scorer on both games. So good. stuff. But I have a question for you as a dad. One of these games was so... If it's, gonna, if it's about which zone I prefer for uh, sixth grade girls, I, I do have some opinions. Is it about strategy? No, it's about parenting strategy. Okay. Um, one of these games was so egregiously poorly officiated and oh. entirely one-sided in its officiatedness. Uh, our kids were getting mugged. Our kids were getting pushed on the floor, no whistles blown. And then the whistle just blew away on the other team's side. I really wanted to walk up to the referee and just have a conversation with him. So I'm just thinking, at what point is it appropriate to confront the referees in a oh. youth sporting event and uh, with what level of vigor, because I kind of wanted to go out there and ask them if they had any awareness of the basic rules of the game. But I don't know. What do you think? I have some thoughts, actually. Now, I have seen friends get tossed out of, uh, you know, third grade girls basketball games. That is embarrassing. And it, and it ends up with the child crying. You know, the thing is, there's there's so few people at those games and you, your relationship with the ref, just because of the number of people, it's so intimate that to show them up is not is not going to help you. So I, I have two thoughts. First thought, 
if you can go speak to them at halftime in a very professional, cordial way, hey guys, I, it just felt from where I was sitting that this one team is getting a lot of calls and this other team, I'm just asking that those might be a little bit more balanced. And then you, and they'll, they'll look at you like you're a moron and you, you could go back to your seat, you know, very, oh, innocently like a moron. And that's fine. I guarantee you they'll be, they'll be more sensitive after that moment. It mustn't be you're doing it wrong. They'll, they'll never respond well to that. It must be this kind of, I'm an innocent, this is an innocent request. Similarly, my point number two is during the game, when something bad has happened, you, you, in an NBA game, you go, you suck, you missed it. Well, at, at a third grade girls basketball game, you have, you have to go, was that a foul? Is she traveling? Is that three seconds? I think that's the, I think that's the posture to take because I think if you're doing this kind of whining, I mean, everybody in the stands knows what you're doing, but if you're kind of doing this whining, complaining, questioning thing, I think enough of that. And I think they respond, but trying to show them up does not work. Does not go good. Well, my daughter, bless her heart, probably four or five times during the game, walked by the referee, patted him on the shoulder and said, you haven't made one call correctly, sir. You need to, you need to maybe call when she slams me to the ground. That's a foul. And just very, uh, very uh, calmly, but assertively told him that he was failing miserably at his job. And I thought that was pretty cool, even though maybe it's not what you're suggesting. I'd like to refer you to some earlier episodes about child training, uh, the submissiveness of children. Well, I guess we could talk about that offline. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be thrilled with that behavior, but I could see that you that you would be. Well, there was never any uh, any uh, mean heartedness to it, and it was pure, truly egregious uh, refereeing. So I thought, you know, she's just letting him know, hey, that that was a foul when she, you know tripped me and then kicked me. That was a foul. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, Next subject. Yeah. Uh, that, that's pretty much all I got. I, oh, okay. I think we can dive, dive in because we've got too many episodes to smash yes. one today. Yes. Yes. We are. We're trying to shoehorn two small ones into one healthy sized one. So, um, there's some big news lately, and I, I think I know what you're, you you said you wanted to talk about some big news, and I think I know what it is. The big news is that the S&P 500, which is just a good general indicator of how the stock market in the U.S. is doing, uh, hit an all-time record high uh, today. Very, as we're recording this, uh, it's February Hot, 10th. fresh news. We, we crested the 5,000 mark on the S&P 500. And so I thought that it would be interesting to to talk about just for a minute what, you know, if you go back and scroll through the archives of Abraham's wallet, we have told people through good times and bad that we're big fans of, of boring investing, where you figure out what portion of your money you intend to grow for the long term, and you put it into a well-diversified mix of stocks and bonds, kind of depending on your risk level. And then you pretty much let it sit there and don't get distracted by all of the things that, you know, 
all corners of the world want you to get fired up about, whether that's political headlines or there's been wars and and there's been business news and economic headlines. And so what I wanted to do is take a minute and just think through, okay, what if you did respond to those headlines as they came out? Where would you be today versus what if you did what we at Abraham's Wallet recommend, which is just stick your money into the market, leave it be. Where would you be today if that was your move versus trying to come in and out based on some of these headlines? There's a lot of money to be made by making people afraid, both in the financial sector for having people move money. That There's always transaction fees and people make, get rich off of those. And if you're in the entertainment or influencer or, you know, TV news world, fear is very, very good for business. And our advice is always you sit, you let it ride. A good quote this week that said, smart investing feels a lot more like watching paint dry or watching grass grow than it does going to Vegas and shooting craps. So I think think that's the case. But uh You know, it's easy to say that. What I want to do is kind of take us back through some of the headlines that that have happened in the last few years on our way to this all-time high in the S&P. And I I want you to kind of play dumb. I want you to just kind of react as if you are a typical American investor who is going to see the news and think, well, this probably has some implications for me. No problem. I think I can nail that. So what I've done is I've pulled a bunch of numbers and in my imaginary world, let's just imagine that we started investing and we invested in the S&P on March 1st of 2019. So we've had some time to grow and we did a good job of just leaving it alone. Uh, 2020, 2021, those were actually pretty good years in the stock market. So let's start in early 2022 with some headlines. And you can tell me, Steve, does this sound like something that would make you pull out of the market or jump back into the market if you're out? So the big thing that kind of shook the world in 22 was Russia invading Ukraine. That was February 24th of 2022. So you're going to stay put or get out when this happens. I'll tell you what, when Russia invades Ukraine, that Ukraine I got out there, what I'm thinking is, we about to make some money because when the war machine starts cranking up, we about to print out some bullets and we gonna make some tanks. Okay, so I'm so I'm I'm going all in on that war. Okay, later in 2022, we got some news that inflation was over nine percent. I think we hit nine point six percent. How do we feel about inflation at nine point six percent? I tell you what, I don't like the sound of that because I don't know what's going to happen. I think my money's all going to dry out. I'm getting out. I'm coming out. I'm pulling out. So we're out at inflation. The next thing that happens comes along in November. Do you remember Sam Bankman Freed and the FTX scandal? I sure do. I remember that big haired Afro uh, young man. I remember him. Yeah. Uh, Did that, you're out of the market right now. Did that make you want to come back in? Well, when I seen that sort of bank failure and that liars in the financial industry, and he's playing with all that crypto nonsense, it's imaginary stuff. Anyways, I tell you what I think. I think uh, I think I found one more account I had somewhere, and I pulled that out too. 
I okay. pull it all out and I put it under my mattress. December of 22, we get headlines that said 70% of economists predict major recession in 2023. Is that inspire you to get back in the market? No, I I ain't getting back in. That that no. Nah. Th- okay. Them guys are experts. They're smart. I'm I'm not coming back in. Okay. Next January 26th of 2023. Interesting news. GDP growth in 22 dramatically outpaced expectations. The economy's growing faster than we thought. That's awesome. I'm back in, baby. I think it sounds right. great. Let's do it. A couple months later, Silicon Valley Bank and a bunch of other banks fail. A lot of headlines out there saying we're going to have a run on the banks, bank failures, etc. I got to come out. I don't know what's happening with my money. Where, where's my, who even, sometimes I get a letter in the mail and it's my mortgage and they say, uh, bank A doesn't hold your mortgage anymore. Bank G owns your mortgage. And I don't even know who that is. I don't know who's holding my money. I'm out of the market. Okay. McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, got booted. So po- political unrest. We don't know who's going to be leading the, the House. Does that, does that bug you at all? It makes me want to stay out because there's political unrest. Okay. October 6th of 23, many headlines throughout all of this time saying the same thing. I just picked one, but there was one of the big prophecy websites published certain stock market failure coming. Certain market failure? It was a prophecy website? Yep. (laughs) I'm out, boy. I'm not messing with them prophecy websites. Did it say to buy silver? Because I was buying silver last fall. Well, the very next day, what happened? October 6th, prophecy of failure. October 7th, Israel attacked, horrible attack on Israel. So it sounds like maybe this prophecy was just in time. So Israel attack, October 7th. Yeah, <laughs> I might be tempted to put half, three-fourths of the money back in there. Because okay. I think maybe we're going to make money when that war thing starts up again. Well, so you're on the fence. A month later, we get our first inflation reading that inflation appears to be under control, lower than expected. I'm now- back in! You're back in. Okay. December 27th, Forbes magazine published a study that surveyed a whole bunch of economists and said, now most economists are saying recession unlikely to happen in the next year. So no recession. We, We missed it. Maybe we had the soft landing that was predicted. I'm all the way back in and I'm feeling great. And I even forgot what them prophecy websites said back in October. Let's see. February 1st, so just a a few days ago, we got earnings from a bunch of the big tech companies that make up a whole lot of the S&P 500. Amazon beats earnings by a ton, comes turns in much better results than than expected, and the stock jumps 14% in one day. How we feel about that? I'm excited. Let's 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 let it ride. Okay. And that brings us to today, all-time high on the S&P. So, you you kind of you gave me the the <laughs> Cletus goes to uh, Wall Street there. Uh, that was easy for me to do that character, by the way. That's no trouble at all. Yeah, that that might be one of the spinoffs of the Abraham's Walt podcast. <laughs> Cletus time. goes to Vegas. <laughs> but let's just let's just talk through what would happen in a variety of those scenarios. So if you bought March first, twenty nineteen. 
and you put $100 into the S&P and you held it until right now, you have $179 in your pocket. Now, wow. $79, that might not sound like that much, but let's say this is your 401k and there's $100,000 in it. Bro. You, you almost doubled in less than five years. Freaking insane. 78%. Yeah. And I'll, I'll remind you, this is giving away something, but 2022 stunk. Like, the market was down a lot in 2022, but we didn't, we're not saying we jumped out when it was bad, jumped back in. This is just, I bought it in 2019. I held it until today. Yep. I've gotten a 79% increase in less than five years. Um, what happens if, let's say I'm just Mr. Inflation. I'm concerned with inflation. We've talked a lot about that on the podcast. And I sold when the inflation numbers got hot and I came back in when the inflation seemed like it was under control. Well, now I've still made a pretty good return. I have $153 instead of $179. You lost 50%. <laughs> yeah, I lost a lot of my return. Now, what if I am more like Cletus and I sold the recession prediction? I didn't like that, those economists talking about recession. But then when they came out and they said, actually, there's not going to be a recession, then I bought back in. And those were the only two moves I made. How much do you think I have in my pocket then? <laughs> I bet it's less than uh, I bet it's less than 150. It's only 143 bucks. And so there's all sorts of combinations here. If I sold on the Ukraine war starting and then I bought when the GDP numbers sounded good and then I sold when Silicon Valley Bank started crashing and then I bought back in when inflation sounded like it was under control, I'm still at 160 bucks. Um so basically you really have to nail it and and the the key points here are you can't just get it right once. So you might okay. sell and the stock market drops 10% the next day and you go, wow, I'm a genius. But if you don't get the next move right, you end up most likely worse off than the guy who just stayed put. So yeah. we've talked about that a bunch. I just wanted to illustrate how it's almost impossible to have timed the market in a way that makes you more money than the boring passive strategy of just figuring out your allocation and sticking with it over time. So that's a great point. We're kind of a broken uh, record here, but that, that's why I want to hammer home once again, as we are on this, this all time high for the S and P 500. I love it. And I love taking the opportunity that current events affords us to reiterate sound principles. So I appreciate you doing that. I'll just throw in that people get very nervous during tumultuous times when the market is moving a lot. Our, our tendency is that we're going to, we, we are just going to grow a, ma a magic set of feelers and we'll just be so shrewd during those times. And the scriptures say it all over the place. Wealth is built little by little and that you just, you're just faithful over time and you don't freak out when things are really good. And you don't freak out when times are really bad. You know, you have this, or there's a pretty normal recommendation. If you want to invest a hundred bucks every month, just do that. doesn't matter where the market is. Just make that a consistent part of your life. And what we find is over time, you're going to do fantastic. If you will just regularly invest and just let the market do whatever it's going to do. These wars change things. Politics change things. 
uh, big companies doing things, banking industry does things. And that's all built into the market numbers and none of us knows where it's going, but we do know over time where it's going and that's up historically. If you're a listener wondering, well, I've heard some things about, you know, who's going to be the next president, whatever. Um, don't, don't buy the hype, just be disciplined, stay the course. And if you are, and if you're one of those people that never checks your investment accounts, which is, I recommend this might be a good time to check in, put a smile on your face and then click away and don't come back for a long time because things look good right now. Let's move on to podcast within a podcast number two. Okay. And, and this uh, has nothing to do with what the S&P is doing. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> first of all, I just want to tell the people that for uh, we are a donor sponsored podcast. Um, and we don't make like this doesn't exist month to month without people being very generous. Uh, what we ask for from our regular listeners is, would you give us a cup of coffee a month? Would you give us, well, uh, we, I guess we could get a small cup of coffee for five bucks. Um, and we appreciate every one of those people that do that. Um, if you want to support us more with tax deductible dollars, you can do that with any amount of money that you want to. And the way that you do that is you go to abrahamswallet.com slash donate and uh, you can set up regular donations. Now for people who do that, we just believe, we, we assume through you know lots and lots of conversations we've had with listeners that the people that do that, they're willing to throw $5 our way a month. Those people are our bought in people. They're the people that we want to talk to. We want to hear from them. What are we doing in the podcast that interests you? What are your problems that we can address, et cetera? So we have a little forum online, which we call AWHQ. And there are some conversations that happen there that I, I always get a kick out of because sometimes people are reacting to weekly episodes. Sometimes there are side questions that are really chewy. Sometimes people are just sharing a resource that they found. Somebody did a, did a study with their son on becoming a man. This was really good. And they just share that with everybody. That's great. A, a question came up months ago from a fabulous listener, zealous, energetic, extroverted Albert Miles in the DFW area, Texas boy, who we've met in person, I'm happy to say. And Albert had this question and it's kind of had legs. This question has had legs. So a lot of people have jumped into it. I've talked a lot about my thoughts and I thought it's probably the kind of question that we should bring on to the, onto the podcast because everybody has this question. And the issue is, how do I pastor my children? If, if it's our job to shepherd our families spiritually, how do I shepherd my child through the transition of being born again, giving their life to, to Jesus, having a relationship with God and stewarding those major transitions without putting on, you know, pressure and, and bowing up on them as a father. So if you are good with this idea, I will just read Albert's question and then I'll start going through my answer and we'll see where it takes us. As, as you answer this question, do you think you could have just as I am playing gently in the background for those who might want to walk down the aisle? Uh, no, it couldn't hurt. It couldn't hurt. All right. Here's what Albert said. Hey, I remember you telling a story about your daughter, Ada, 
asking Jesus into her heart at age three. Forgive me if that sounds bizarre, but I could go over the story. It really did happen. I was dubious about it. In retrospect, I think it was legitimate. His son, Albert's son, asked me yesterday, what is salvation? He just turned four. He said, I know how to present the gospel story to my children, but I fear that they will, quote, pray the prayer out of wanting to please me and then grow up with a false sense of salvation like I see so many others have done. So they made some decision because some emotional pressure was put in them at a church service or by a friend. And then just to like get through the moment, they gave in. Well, what do you want me to do? And then their lives go on and you go, I I don't know if there was a real transformation that happened. Was there a conversion? And he throws this in. My son was watching this children's video series called Bible Man yesterday. And at the end of this episode, they asked if any kids want to accept Jesus into their heart. And if they did, pray this prayer with them. And he's kind of sitting there on the sidelines going, is my four-year-old ready for this moment? I don't even know what to do. I'm going to just sit there on the sidelines. Do I run over and stop it and go like, forget this. This isn't for us. Or you just kind of go, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe something's happening there. So that's his question. What do I do about shepherding my child's heart? What do you think? I think it's a... It's a question that most parents who desire to raise kids inside of the church and like in this kind of covenant relationship with the Lord and say, like, I think about this all the time because I've got little kids who of course. are part of our church community. They go to Christian school. They hear that type of language all the time. And from as long as they can remember, they're like, well, I've been praying. I've been speaking to God. I've been learning about God. I could tell you what what the gospel says and I agree to it. But, um, you know, there's, I think in every parent's mind, there's that question like, well, we had that moment where you were taking a bath and you're like, I asked Jesus <laughs> into my heart. I was like, right. Maybe I don't, I don't know. And I don't <laughs> want to throw cold water on you, but yes, I was going to, you are in the tub, but, uh, nah. I, I just, I feel like this is a really good question and agreed. Tell you what I've done. And I would tell you, I don't know if it was right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll give you what my answer uh, is. And then uh, you can react to it or tell us the story of what happened to uh, your children. I I, I just addressed the last uh, scenario first and said, I wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't manage your son's response to the video he was watching just like I wouldn't manage how a kid responds to a sermon or seeing someone be baptized or any other spiritual input, just just oversee that he's developing a a good response to spiritual invitation. So we just want to have a yes heart in our kids. So the, the attitude of a child that goes, you know, see someone get baptized. What does that mean? That means they're saying yes to Jesus. Well, I want to say yes to Jesus. I, that has happened to me, that conversation. And I just go, that's great. That's, that's awesome. And just leave it. And yes, good. So, you know, they asked me at the end of this video to pray and I prayed. That's wonderful. I would just leave it. But when here's my caveat. So if your son is, is basically saying with his actions, Hey, when somebody offers me a step towards Christ, I'm taking it. Then be glad. That's a great sign. 
but I wouldn't see that as the end of the matter. And that's because Bible man is not your son's pastor, nor even is really the guy who stands at the front of the auditorium who has a job title called pastor, nor is the paid children's worker who sees him for 75 minutes a week. And what I mean by pastor, I don't mean a job title. I mean the the actual uh, responsibility of shepherding the child's heart, shepherding a child's heart. B- by the way, if you if you would like a good resource on this, then I recommend a book called, right, ready for it? Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. You are the unique, irreplaceable watcher of your son's spiritual formation, and you're the only one assigned by God to oversee his spiritual formation. So this is an important point, and that being the case, any final or like absolute decisions your son makes about Jesus will have to pass muster with you. So I, I hope I'm not being too forward there, but but I really think this is part of your responsibilities to investigate these things. So remember, uh, your son's faith is not a personal matter. I think we get this wrong all the time. Find that for me anywhere in scripture where it says that your relationship with God is personal and private. Uh, it's not. A child's faith is a family matter. His, his faith is a family concern. It should be talked about regularly. So yes, it has to land on his soul personally. He has to make a decision himself, but it would be such foolish irresponsibility for a father to muse, my child's eternal destiny and relationship with my redeeming king is his own personal journey, and I'll leave that to him to sort it out. You are a fool if you say that. You're playing dice with your entire family's destiny, as well as revealing your apathy toward your son's soul, and you deserve a spanking. So that's not this, that's not Albert, obviously. He's taking responsibility for his son. So he's waiting for a time when he and his son can have a conversation about his decision for Christ. So until that moment, and more on that in a second, I have a couple of pieces of advice. Number one, Don't act like uh, your son is left out of anything before he makes that decision. He's not. He's part of your family. Uh, Albert's last name is Miles. He's part of the Miles family by gum, and the Mileses honor Jesus. We're a family that kneel in worship. We engage however you you don't have to kneel, but however you physically uh, engage in worship, make your children do it as well. If you're a hand-raising family, tell your children, raise your hands up right now. This is how we honor the Lord. Um, If it's bow your heads and close your eyes, I was told that a thousand times as a child, then you do that. Why do you do that? Because that's our family. Our family does this. This is, we honor the Lord this way. We're, we're doing Lodo Feb right now. Um, That's something we do as a family. It's unto the Lord. It's for our training. So you're going to do it too, because you're part of this family. So we declare loyalty to our King with gusto. Um, Your son is part of the story of your family, and he's a participant in the faith of your family. Anything to say about that? Nope. I mean, maybe someday we can get a whole whole theology episode on kids and communion and baptism and all that. Well, that'll be a rock fight, I'm sure. Um, Number two, if it ever comes up, uh, talk about your son's... decision to follow Jesus in the future tense. I think I just think that's a smart 
move, particularly for a four-year-old. So, Dad, I heard a kid saying he was a Christian. Uh, you are too, son. The family, the Miles family is a Christian family. That means we follow Jesus. Yeah, but this kid said he asked Jesus into his heart. You'll do that someday too, when it's right. Don't worry about it. I, I had that. Uh, I, I know you, this sounds crazy because of my story about my three-year-old, but I, I said that to my children many times and um, said it about baptism as well. You're going to do that someday. Don't worry about it. Because I, I had the sensitivity that Albert's putting his finger on, which is that what, what must I do to make daddy proud of me, make him pleased with me? And I wanted to completely get that off the table and go, you don't have to do anything to please me. You're good. Don't sweat it. Now, when, when, the, when there's something happening that the Holy Spirit is doing in a child's heart that they just, they just overwhelmed, I just got to do something. Well, great. I'm, well, I'm ready to feel that. But if it's just curiosity and it's just questions, I just kind of give them a thumbs up and then just kind of remove the, the subject from the table. That, that's my move and that's my advice. The principle is to make your kid confident of his future in the family and his future with God. I'm not saying that you push off your child's decision if the time is right. I definitely, obviously, I don't believe in that because I think it happened for one of my child at age three. I'm just making the point that when your child verbalizes some concern about a spiritual practice or decision someone else made, you respond with confidence regarding their future. And I do believe there's discernment required for a dad to know when the child is ready. And that has a lot to do with keeping tabs on your child's heart. Are you praying with them? Do you hear what they're praying as well? Are you, are you sowing God's word into their heart? I mean, this is such a basic thing, but when I had a toddler that I uh, was in the rocking chair with every night before bed, I would just say memory verses over them until they, until they were saying them with me, just regurgitating what they'd heard. And I know I'm sowing God's words in them. We, was, we sang songs that were God's word. That was actually part of my, my uh, child's conversion story. Is she's quoting verses back to me from a song that I had never explained the verses. We just sang the songs. And the Bible says, here's what God's word does. It's like a seed. You don't even know how it works but it goes in, it takes root, and it starts bearing fruit. So that's our job as parents, is to sow this seed into our children's hearts. Of course, we don't want our child making a decision hastily or immaturely, nor do we want to keep them from making a decision that they're actually ready to make. And my third and last point on this is uh, that we regularly share the family's stories of conversion. So that's part of our family's story. So for us, Sabbath meals are a primo time for underlining family stories. So on many Sabbath gatherings, tell a story of your conversion. Let mom tell her story of being born again. Tell stories of the, when the grandparents decided to follow Jesus, aunts and uncles. And you might say, but they already know my story. Good. Tell it again. Tell the story again. These things should become family legend. Like my father passed this past year. He's in heaven enjoying his reward. And I know his testimony, no problem. I can quote it to you exactly the way that he quoted it because I heard it come out of his mouth so many times. And it's part of family legend and lore. And it should be. These are like worldview shaping stories. So repeat them. Tell them until the kids can finish the story for you. 
A great practice that I learned from Jeremy Pryor is that anytime you have guests over for your Sabbath meals, have one or both of the parents tell their story of conversion. Just make that, this is a, this is a regular part of the culture of our home. By the way, this is, this is what we want to hear out of those stories. If you think, well, I'm, I don't even know if that I could tell my story to my child. Well, I'll, I'll give you a little coaching here. It's real simple. Tell about what your life was like before Christ and tell us some of the juicy details of your confused life of sin. Those are always interesting to hear. I was so stupid that I would get drunk every Friday and Saturday night. Great. Let's hear it. Tell us what your life was like before Christ. Tell us how it came to be that you heard the gospel and how you said yes. That's usually the part that people tell. Okay, we are interested in that. But then tell us what a redeemed life looked like for you. Tell us what changed in your life after following Christ. That that has some that that has some traction. You know, that's got some hooks in it. It'll it, it it'll get into your heart to hear that that life of change. The point is, we want Albert's son growing up with awe and respect regarding this conversion process. He's heard grandpa's story. He's heard mom's story. He's heard dad's story. He heard the cousin's story. He's like, wow, that's a really important decision that people make. And you don't ever have to look him in the eye and go, that's a very important decision for you to make too, son. They'll get it. And you don't also don't have to say, uh, this is an important moment for our family. No, duh. You tell these stories every week at the Sabbath. We know that it's an important thing. So that's, that's, that's everything that I would do before, you know, uh, shepherding your child through that moment. Does that all make sense? Then I'll get to like the moment. Yeah. Okay. So what about the moment your son has heard his parents' stories? He's considered his future. More likely he's just considered his identity in the family, even if he can't articulate that. And he wants to follow. This is not a bad desire. He wants to follow in his parents' godly footsteps so that he can someday be a fully fledged man. That's that's a good desire. And he wants to take the plunge. Okay, so you're kind of talking, this is what happened with uh, me and my children. They're kind of expressing a desire. I'm kind of telling them, oh, it's fine, thumbs up. And they're coming back again. And they're talking to me about conversations they're having with God that I didn't facilitate. Now I'm listening very carefully. Now Tell me again. Okay, what? All right. So there's something happening here much earlier than I expected, but it's happening. So what happens? Well, my advice is I just have uh, five points of advice on this. One, just be casual and confident as you feel this. Act like you've been there before. Just be cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that happens. Yes, okay. Make the child feel like they're in capable hands of your leadership. Just be, just be cool about it be casual. You can say that this is important. You know what? This is a noisy room. Why don't we walk into the next room? I really want to hear what you have to say. Great. Just be casual about it. Number two, take his thoughts and feelings very seriously. This is very real and very serious to him, even if he's acting fidgety and distracted like a kid would do. But he might be distracted, but you don't get distracted. You put everything down, you give him 100% of your attention. Just take this moment seriously for him. Number three, review the basics with him. He might, he might know this. He's heard this many times, but here's the basics. You know, Jesus loves you. You're a sinner. That's a really necessary part of conversion. You're a sinner. You've done things that are wrong. Someone has to be punished for that sin. Jesus did it. He absorbed that punishment. And, and we have peace forever with God because of it. 
So we want to receive that gift that Jesus um, offers us. So no matter what has happened on the side without you there, I had a moment with Bible man. That's great. I, I'm taking that seriously. And if you think, wow, this is really the moment, just have him pray again with you so that you can have firsthand experience that this definitely happened. I don't know what happened over there with Bible man. I know what happened when I was sitting there with you standing by and you, you say, I'll make sure that we say everything that we need to say to God. I would just want you to speak your heart first and just let the child pray. So just, how are you feeling right now? What do you want to say to God? And if he leaves anything out, like I'm a sinner and I've broken your laws, uh, you can just, you can just uh, direct him. To just why don't we tell God right now that we're sorry for breaking his laws? Whatever you think is missing, just, but his prayer doesn't have to be sophisticated or proper, but it just, it should include sorrow and receiving. Those are two really key components that you need to hear from your child, sorrow and receiving. Then my last advice on this moment, affirm, affirm. Can you imagine what it would feel like for a child to have this moment and then dad go like, I don't know, maybe, yeah, that might, that might have done it. All right, let's go back out and play. And this kid's going like, what, what just happened here? So you've got to, you've got to kind of seal that moment and give it your approval by affirming it. Um, wow, son, you know, you're not a man yet, but that was a man's decision that you just made. Most men never get that far. You know, wow, this is such a wonderful day for our family. We're going to remember this one. A matter of fact, I'm going to get out my phone right now. I'm going to mark this on the calendar. This is such an important day. I can't wait to tell mom and your brothers and sisters about this. You know what? You could even say, why don't we wait until dinner to kind of share this with everybody? This is such a special, important thing. Then you make a big to-do about it. Um, proudly tell the grandparents. Make sure he hears you brag on him and make his story... Now, this would be the first time this would happen. Make his story the subject of the next um, Sabbath gathering or when you, or wherever you have the big family meal. Maybe even you're going to read Nicodemus' Nicodemus's story from John 3 and say, that's what our son just did. The same decision that Jesus talked about 2,000 years ago. Wow, now our son is part of Jesus' story too. And he's joined God's family in a new way. And you can do all kinds of teaching around this. And please know all of the siblings are listening very closely to this. And, and just be aware that, again, we're setting precedents. We're setting family culture by doing this. I do have a couple of suggestions after that moment happens. One, as I already said it, put that date on your annual calendar. Two, I strongly recommend this. Open a doc on your computer and write out the account of what exactly happened and how your child made a decision for Christ. Keep that on your computer. The, these stories should become family legend. And so here's what we do is every year on the anniversary of that decision, we recognize this child's spiritual birthday. And we say, there's somebody special at the dinner, at the dinner table tonight. And we have a little, we have a little, cutesy plate that says you're special. We put that in front of that person. That's They're going to eat dinner. And we say, uh, we're going to recognize a spiritual birthday. So we reread that story of their conversion. Remember, repetition is really good. Let everyone in the family comment 
on the spiritual and character growth you've witnessed in the past year. Affirm and brag on this person. You're really growing up in Jesus and it all started on this day. Can you believe we've been praying for you since before you were born? You don't have to do this. I'm just telling you what we do. Every year I give a gift, a little token of some kind that affirms the faith of my child. Just one little, it could be a a butterfly necklace one year I gave because this is like new life, new birth, and that that's you. Um, you can buy little stones in Hallmark that have a little Bible verse, be strong and courageous, you know, whatever, to affirm their growth. Small is good. Um, and we do something birthday-ish, whether it's letting the child choose what we're going to have for dinner that night, having a cupcake, going out for ice cream after dinner, something, something small, small is good, that just feels like we're really celebrating this. Man, wasn't God good to our family? Um, and then we also... You could think this is overkill. We all just lay hands on that child for their spiritual birthday. And God, we just thank you, Lord, for this child's development over this past year. We we know that he or she is on their way to spiritual maturity, and we want you to keep going. My, my main point is remember that you are the pastor shepherd of your children's spiritual development. It's a lot of discernment required, but their decision for Christ should happen underneath your watchful, caring eyes and those decisions are to be celebrated and remembered. The only question that I have when you get to the end of that is a lot of us have kids that are in that two to eight age range, and maybe they see a sibling uh, do this, go through this, this process, big hoopla is made, and they go a day later. I too have made this decision, and... I think that's one of the hardest kind of judgment calls as a parent is how to shepherd a kid through. Are you responding to the Holy Spirit or are you excited about the praise and admiration that was heaped on your sibling? So Mm -hmm. can you answer that one real quick? Because I think that's the first question that I've had with a bunch of kids in the house. Of course. Well, again, I'm going to start with the caveat that discernment is required. And if you want to veto what I'm about to say because of the moment and what you think God might be doing, you have the authority to do that. Um, my tendency would be to to already have thought in my mind, yeah, no, that's not happening. There's too much excitement around this right now. So no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take this moment seriously from you. I want to do that too. Again, I would say, you will. You will do that someday. Well, I want to do it right now. Well, let's just wait. Well, you know what? Why don't we pray? And let's just ask God that he would call you when it's just you, when it's not about what big brother did and, and all of that is not on our minds. Why don't we just pray and ask God that he'll speak to you in your own way, in your own time. That would be my move is to shelve that and to try to table it and maybe affirm, I think that's a good desire, son, and that's going to happen someday. I just don't think today's that day. I mean, you might think that's spiritually dangerous. Um, I tend to think, let's not try to, I don't know why this is on my brain. I've used this illustration a couple of times today. Let's not pop that pimple before it's truly ripe. You know what it's going to do. It's going to like expand, get worse, get infected. It's no good. Don't pop the pimple. Okay. Yeah, you got to wait. Well, man, 
more more conversation available over at AWHQ because I think there's probably 10 follow-up questions that we could get There out. definitely are. But uh, I think it's it's helpful. I've got kids who have kind of made this decision and kids who haven't but might tell you they have. And so it's just, it's a little bit of murky waters. And yeah, um, yeah that's, that's what we want to do for you guys listening is give you equipment. And this episode is really an interesting straddle of our two worlds, which is <laughs> how do I, how do I steward money faithfully? And how do I run my household in a way that honors the king? And so I know this might have felt a little bit of like, what are we doing here? We're going back and forth between two really different topics. But this episode is a good just microcosm of why we exist. I hope it's encouraging. I hope yep. it whips you. And uh, like like Steve said, if you want to kind of hash it out with us and tell us, oh, well, I think this, right? Come on over to AWHQ. Come on over. Just so you know, we don't actually buy cups of coffee with all of those donations. That's not what they go to. <laughs> uh, we just use that as a as an indicator of the amount. But um, can can I could I announce that we have actually made a pretty big step as a podcast in bringing somebody? Sure, forward? you so, sure can. One thing that your generosity has enabled us to do is bring a producer, a professional producer. On Unbelievable. Board. At and long, 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 long last. Because of people's generosity, we made a step to get some professional help on editing a while back. Yeah. But now I think we're, we're looking at the possibility of having somebody who can really help us not only handle the administrative work of the podcast and maybe even get the social medias cranking and just continue to reach more people that way. But also even give us coaching on here's kind of the episodes that, that people really connect with and let's look at the data. And so we're really excited about that. I'm especially excited for you, Steve, because you have been putting in long hours trying to tweak and edit and and I know that it's not what God made you to do is the thank you the minutia of the podcast. I know he made yeah. you to, to uh, teach and be on the microphone and share kind of the wisdom he's given you, but maybe maybe not to be editing all the ums out of our maybe our not speech. that's right uh, one of one of the really exciting things, and we've talked about this before, is that having a producer on hand who's going to put the episode together, publish the episode, make shorts, publish those, write emails to remind people about what we're talking about, et cetera. Having all of that on somebody else's plate will mean that I now have the time to start pursuing other avenues of you all have, anybody who's been around know like, I love to gin up studies for you guys, Bible studies. I love to gin up other conversations um, and other podcasts. So Oh, to have the brain space to do that feels very exciting to me. We we shall see what comes. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Bless all of you dads as you lead your homes financially, staying faithful no matter what markets do and realizing you build wealth little by little and bless you as you steward the spiritual lives of your children's hearts. And may you have discernment as you listen closely to what God's doing in them. Hey, if you liked this content, be sure to like it and subscribe and share it with somebody. And remember, no matter how you're doing and leading your family, God's love for you is huge and his grace is greater, greater, greater.